Hey folks, before we get to this amazing conversation with Chloe Baldwin, I wanted to pop in ahead of time to apologize for the audio quality of this episode. I'm taking steps to make sure things like this don't happen in the future because I always want to deliver the best possible sound quality for folks who listen to Character Build. Now, before you listen, just make sure you check out that content warning in our episode description, as well as the glossary of terms throughout. Enjoy! Thank you, everyone, very much for tuning in to Character Build. I have a very special guest with me today, professional actor, professional filmmaker, stunt person, Chloe Baldwin. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, I we have tons to talk about. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, you, uh, you play TTRPGs. You just had a film at Gen Con in Indianapolis professional theater actor right you're on the stage as well as film yeah 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 i do any medium that they will put me in or that i will put myself in that i can act in i will absolutely do so yes there yeah do all of the above all the above do all the above uh plus an additional e on the scantron uh drag performer yes indeed we'll yeah get into in a little bit here but i guess i wanted to start with uh I always like to ask people like what are your origins what like when did you first and you know this is this is altogether a ttrpg performance podcast but in general like where where did your love for games come from or where does your love for performing and acting come from where did it all start yeah um two memories come to mind one of them being kind of the first time i experienced the magic of storytelling and realized that it was people doing it like real people creating this because like as a kid i loved the disney movies and loved films but like it felt always so removed from you know, anything that a human was creating or that I could do. And when I was like eight, I went to this theater camp at my local community theater to see my friend's performance. I wasn't even in the camp. And there was this really dark scene, like emotionally dark, that was about like the passage of time and how we can't control it. And it was all embodied in this train. And I just felt the energy of the audience shift. And because my friend, who was also like eight, was in this show, I kind of realized like, oh, she's part of what's creating this magic and what is causing this like energetic shift in every person in this room. And then that, that kind of linked back to the movies I'd seen and realized that that was being created by people too. Um, and it was kind of an incredible feeling realizing like I could be that magician or I could be someone who's a catalyst for change in someone's emotions. And so that was incredible and a, and a great feeling. Um, and then the other thing that comes to mind is when I was a kid, uh, my family and I, it, I would go to Starbucks all the time and play chess with my dad. Like that was our bonding thing. That's but so cool. It was so fun. It was like really special. But um, games wise, uh, <laughs> I was always very competitive as a kid. And one time my family was playing Risk. I think it was for Christmas or Thanksgiving. And my also my dad betrayed me in Risk. <laughs> <laughs> and I got so angry. I was like, I was just like simmering the whole rest of the game <laughs> and like furious. And I got the nickname from my dad, who is a very like spiritual person and, you know, knows all, all different things about different spiritualities. He was like, you are Kali, the goddess of wrath. Like that is who you are now. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. What a fabulous double landmark to start, just to kind of jump off from. That's... <laughs> Uh, I guess I worked my way backwards. Uh, God, the, the, I'm just now you have me thinking about like, when was the first time I ever felt betrayed by anybody? Ooh. Right? Like, that's just, that is such a, like, that's a fabulous thing to experience, like, within a, a gamified setting, right? But now I'm just, and, you know, we can dive as much or as little into uh, our own mental health as you want. But now I'm just like, yeah. cool, when was the first time I felt betrayed in a game? And when's the first time I felt betrayed as a human being? What Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's such a it's such a specific thing that I'm sure almost every human being goes through at some point. If not, I guess you're sitting pretty. If you never yeah. be if you're never betrayed, but that's awesome. I'm just gonna be pondering that the whole time. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say you already got me thinking some really deep thoughts over here <laughs> about you know the difference between like how we can have that slight removal if something is gamified or like same yeah. kind of thing if you're if you're performing a role. Like if, as an actor, I think about that all the time. Like the slight kind of removal you have in order to be able to 
feel those feelings and then that sometimes helps you process things in your own life too that's a that's an excellent point that uh you know i'm friends with a lot of actors i went to theater school i used to be an actor i am horrible at memorizing lines so i'm a director Ooh. and a writer instead of acting now but uh and so many of my actor friends like have that belief too that just you know, that that removal is so important you know yeah. someone who studied stanislavski as, as myself that you know method acting which has become this stigmatized thing that is not healthy and not productive oh. these Agreed. days it's kind of flipping it on its head of like actually if you remove yourself not only are you keeping yourself from the, like safe from the jump but now also you can step into that pool whenever you'd like to process those feelings if you want to, or if you don't, then you don't have to. Yeah. So that's just a great way to, to, to define that. And, and then, so the train in that little like production that you saw when you were eight, was that like a metaphor for the passage of time? Is that where you were? It was. And in, and in that moment, do you remember uh, if like you, if you processed that in real time of like, oh, the train represents time. Yeah, I did. I did. And it, it was cool because it, it didn't feel like an intellectual kind of processing. It felt like mm -hmm. it was hitting me as that, if that makes sense. Yeah, like at face value, like immediately. Yeah. Like it's doing exactly what it needs to do to tell that story. That's so yeah. fascinating. I yeah. love that. Th that's making me think about horror movies now, too, and how oh. I always love how so frequently they're an analogy for some sort of internal or emotional trauma, like whatever monster yeah. is on the screen or whatever, you know, thing they're up against is almost always something that's a little more ephemeral that's been physicalized. And it's made, it, that's making me realize how, how much I love those connections because when, when we physicalize something that we can't see, it always, it always just, it, I think it helps us connect to each other over what that thing is because sometimes it's so hard to describe. But when you see something like that and it hits you, it's so undeniable. Excellent. Like, yeah, like a ton of bricks. Wow. I, I always found horror movies to be such a potent tool for immediately getting to the heart of something. So that's, I could not agree more with what you just said. That's uh, excellent. Oh man, is, is, wait, hold on. So Morning is Broken, that's the name of the movie that you took to Gen Con, right? It is, yes. Is it, is there any horror elements in that at all? I would say so. The first, our first kind of opening fight scene uh our villain is very horror coded mm, okay so it's shot in a way that it, like, you know, there's there's some terror there for sure yeah a little bit it's it's definitely not one of those things where we're trying to do too much of like a jump scare or anything like that yeah, but yeah we we did this really lovely um on our, our actor uh, jacob we did a, a face paint that's a skull um that goes all across his face and i think in the same way that we're talking about, you know, these monsters representing something more t internal or ephemeral um, to me. And, you know, it, it's always one of those things where it's like, a, you know, I want the audience to interpret whatever, however they're interpreting. But at the yeah. same time, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not Drew. I didn't write the script. So I'm going to give maybe a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of my own opinion. And everyone can have their own. But uh, I do feel like he symbolizes a little bit of the existential thing that um that izzy's going through um so izzy is the real life character like the the person that's playing the game and then morwenna is the person in this scene who is fighting um uh, sidro who's the villain um and so and of you're course, playing both of these oh sorry i am yeah yeah so, sorry i just wanted to establish for the for people listening so you're, yeah. you're playing both of these characters in the movie right i am exactly Wow. So sorry. Uh, uh, you were saying about the villain. Um, yeah. No, you're great. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, no. So it, I just feel like it, there's a very similar thing to what we're talking about with horror movies where mm -hmm. him as the monster is symbolizing something that's a little bit harder to explain to people and that, you know, the classic things of if someone's going through a time where they're depressed or if they have depression um, or, you know, if, if they're just going through something kind of existential, it's always a little bit hard to talk about, especially, you know, with the shame that our society has around those kind of things and a desire to like be okay. Um, I think yeah. it makes it all the harder to, you know, battle, battle our side rows. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, bad, uh, everyone, everyone has a side row, whether they like to admit it or not, that's, that's for certain. And now you've got me thinking about sort of the, the, we're just, we're just hopping from lily pad to lily pad. I know, here. I love this. And I, I love it too. Uh, you, you got me thinking about sort of, the important of the the importance of the first person perspective in like horror movies and stories like that, but even just like any any hero or any protagonist that is facing a fear, like I think that's that's such an important tool to 
that's why audiences connect so immediately to someone's like oh we're getting the first perspective first person perspective of like of how this person feels of what they're going through of of their anxiety about what is not you know might happen might not happen so fascinating so to dive a little deeper into the two characters you play in this this can you just can you kind of break down that that dichotomy between the two Definitely. So, um, so in this in this film, uh, I'm playing a character named Izzy, and Izzy is a person who lives in the modern day, who is a D and D player. Uh, she plays TTRPGs, and she's a big, wonderful nerd. But um, at the time that we start this film, she's really um, she's really down, and she is kind of has some you know classic symptoms of depression, and is going through a hard time uh, after this breakup with. Uh, a guy who was in her D&D group. And Classic. so she's feeling the loss of that. She's feeling the loss of the community that she had with this D&D group um, outside of just him because it kind of messed up their entire group. And it's not, you know, you know they're not playing together anymore, um, which is, and it's funny having gone to Gen Con, having gone to um, Sif Sif in Seattle, which is uh, the science, science fiction and fantasy short film festival like and met all of these lovely, lovely nerds who are like me and are, are watching this film, the amount of times that that has happened to people and like the amount of people that are relating to this, like a breakup broke up my D&D group too and it was heartbreaking, is it's wild. Um, so there's, so there's, so that's Izzy and yeah. you know, she's, she's just having a hard time coming back from this. Um, and then uh, her character within the D&D game, the game that is currently defunct, the game that has been put down and has not been picked up, is Morwenna Morningsong. And um, she is ostensibly in this coma or in this deep sleep, or however you want to describe it, um, when we start the film, because, you know, she's she's dormant. The game isn't happening. Um, and in a similar way, I think for, for Izzy, that kind of deeper part of herself, the storyteller maybe, or maybe the the part of her that's experiencing life on a deeper level and that is willing to battle and face it and be out in the world is also kind of dormant. And it, one of the interesting things that's kind of on the logistical side of things, and Chloe producer brain is always so excited to share this is, so we shot all of the Morwenna things first and I grew out my hair as long as I could. And, and then the, the night between us shooting Morwenna and us switching to Izzy, I cut off like four or five inches of my hair and, uh, and switched it to pretty short. And it, it was a really nice way to kind of physicalize again um, yeah. the shift between these two. And, uh, and now thinking about it too, I'm almost thinking about Samson like cutting off his hair and kind of losing some of his strength. And obviously it makes her look kind of more modern too. It makes Izzy look a little more modern, but at the same level, I think there's a existential thing there about like the power, the power of, of hair and this mane and all of that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, that goes two ways too. Like Samson cutting off the hair and losing the power or, or someone empowering and emboldening themselves by making the decision to cut their hair. Right. Cause that's another, like, uh, you know, definitely even more common than unfortunate, like breakups, breaking up D and D campaigns are that whole, you know, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Stereotype of people cutting their hair after a breakup. And many stereotypes are based in reality. And I know people who have done that before and I understand how it would be a liberating experience. So that is, yeah, I've done it at least twice. There, there you go. See, uh, <laughs> the statistics are in, but fascinating that you like, sort of logistically shot one character and then shot another without giving too much away. Is there, uh, I'm curious how everything Morwenna goes through throughout the film, sort of like you kind of having that banked and ready to go, how that informed your Izzy shoot. Yeah. You know, I'm like, do they both get to a point where they're, where they're, you know, where their storylines are progressing or... Or is, is the Morwenna stuff more um, like sort of ethereal? Like, I'm wondering if it's a dual plot or if, you know, we it's go to this liminal point. space for just a time and then we come back to the main story. Their, their journeys are very entwined. Like, both of their forward momentum, kind of however slight that we're seeing, is, mm. is in tandem. So as Izzy's starting to have little moments of things maybe opening for her, the same thing's happening with Morwenna. And so it was 
I would say, if anything, it was interesting doing Morwenna first because you're kind of getting at the deeper parts of Izzy. Like it's it's more of the like you're at, at risk of sounding cheesy. You're kind of getting at her soul and where where she is at a deep emotional level. You know, because we have to do our little day to day tasks. Like Izzy's Izzy has to you know get up and brush her teeth and eat some food, even if she's you know waking up at two p.m. and the food she's eating is, you know, the leftover radishes or, you know, whatever it is in her fridge. And even mm-hmm. if she takes half an hour to brush her teeth. But the reality of what's going on with her, I think at some levels is Morwenna and is kind of just stuck and stopped and exhausted and doesn't know how to go on in, in a lot of ways. Stuck, yeah. Um, that's, gosh, just thinking like, 5% effort, you know, bare minimum is, is, is a thousand times more as a million times more infinitely more than zero percent effort like just doing those bare minimum things you know i'm sure a lot of people can relate to that and like having to do that i appreciate you know i appreciate your call at the risk of sounding cheesy i'm a very cheesy person cheesy fella and uh i don't know that just that is sort of the you know that's a glimpse even further somehow into like what i have going on here with this podcast right of like oh like what do we put into our characters and what do we get out of them and so just hearing about the story of these being so intertwined in terms of like what we see Morena, Morena going through is a direct sort of very real palatable way of like uh, of establishing Izzy's sort of internal monologue, I guess. Like that's yeah. holy smokes. That is um, powerful. I bet I'm eager to see this at some point if if it gets released. That's um, wow. I was going to start with TTRPGs and get into the film, but we got so into that. And I uh, I appreciate I appreciate you breaking those down. I like to do plugs at the end, but but where can people find Morning is Broken? Is it is it I know it was just the festival. Is it gonna be playing any somewhere? Is it have a release? We're still we're still running the festival circuit, so it's not gonna it's oh, not wow. being released yet. Yeah, but we um we're definitely gonna have at some point uh some sort of screening in Chicago and some sort of screening in LA, hopefully this fall. Right. Um so uh, if people wanna learn more about that, they can either go to there's a page on my website specifically that's chloebaldwin.net slash morning is broken or you can also follow me on instagram i am very good about posting events that are coming up so uh, my instagram is chloe glowy flowy which is awesome uh, by Thanks. the way <laughs> but yeah no i'm hoping i'm hoping to honestly catch it myself uh when it's in Amazing. chicago yeah yeah just... yeah so ho- hopefully we'll be able to organize something this fall it'll be that that would be fingers crossed absolutely that'd be great and and so I saw you on a, a panel at Gen Con. Was that for the film or was that for something else? It was for the film. Yeah, it was it was a couple of us filmmakers. Um, yeah, it was it was really fun. And were, have you been able to like talk to people about their like their feedback on the film? And and obviously you were saying yeah. that people were coming to you with their real life Izzy stories, which is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know people who've gone through that, too. And that's just absurd that that's such a common occurrence. But I, I'm wondering, I'm, <laughs> I'm just so curious. I'm just. This is the kind of thing I love being a fly on the wall in terms of just like seeing someone watch something yeah. and then how they react to it. I just, I can imagine that you've gotten a lot of people who this really gravitates with, with just hearing what it's about. And I guess, I don't know, turning, turning a little bit in, into sort of the gamifying nature of TTRPGs. I want to transition kind of a weird, maybe lopsided transition into like the fight work that you did for this. Cause you yeah. called yourself, we, we, you, you're a stunt person. We established this at the beginning when we introduced you. So, uh, you know, what was the fight work like? You know, you said you're in that opening fight, I imagine, that you were talking about? Yeah, yeah, it was great. We had an amazing time. And, uh, you know, I'm a, a stunt person and an experienced sword fighter. And Jacob, who plays our side row, was also our, like, stunt coordinator, fight coordinator for this film, which was awesome. It's so it's so great working with him because we, we actually met because we worked at a boxing gym together. And so to finally get to like actually fight each other was amazing. Um, and we, you know, both of us have a lot of experience with weapons and different martial arts and different styles. And one of the cool things that we did for this, that was a really fun thing to be able to do for an indie project that, that, you know, I, I was able to just bring my like Chicago fire skills to tiny little, like beautiful film was yeah. uh, we, we established this jump that happens at the very end of the um, at the end of the fight, or at least the part of the fight that we see, because it gets cut off before we see how it ends. Ooh. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's a hell of an intro to, to yeah. a film. But uh, there's this this flying leap that I make uh, at Sidro, and we had such a wonderful time, um, like conceptualizing how to do that. And um, we had this we had this uh, step stool basically that I would run up to jump off like going off of uh and then fly up into the air with my sword over my head to fly towards him and you know we, we ended up comping it in so that there's so the we, we set up the shot there's me doing the flying leap off of the stool we also had to get a clean plate so we could get the stool out of there um and then i was flying at nothing and so so that i could fly with my sword through where where jacob was because um, I knew I was going to land right where he would be. And so then we had to get the other shot of just Jacob going, oh, shit, basically. A little insert, yeah. <laughs> Which was really cool. So it was nice to be able to like bring what we what we do um, on a technical level into something where, you know, it, it for him and I, it's, you know, it's hard financially and all of that stuff sometimes to be able to, to work on the, such indie projects. So it was really, really cool to be able to just bring our toys and play oh that's that's the that's the nature of it that's that's like sort of exactly what we where we want to be all the time right and i guess that's why we cherish those moments when they do happen uh, that's outstanding yeah. uh musing about you know the idea of morning is broken a little bit and just kind of being in the mindset of stage theater as well uh, I can't help but to think of a play. I'm sure you've heard of it called She Kills Monsters. Oh, I like, fight choreographed She Kills Monsters like 12 times. There you go. Like, high schools, colleges. <laughs> oh, I love that play with all of my heart. I'm so excited you brought it up. Yeah, I just, I, I, I adore it. I've seen it several times live. And I, the takeaway is that, you know, it's funny you say you've choreographed it that many times. There's so much you can do with it. And I was going to say that this kind of takes the idea of that and just brings it an emotional step further, yeah. like into something more human. But, you know, that's not to say that She Kills Monster is not an incredibly human piece. It very much is. And you get the dichotomy of those two. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Just encountering yeah. that show so much. That's it's a lot. That's that's cool. I'm glad you haven't gotten sick of it yet. That means. Oh, it's a testament I will never to the be piece. sick of that show. It's, it's such a joy and it's so much fun. And like you said, everyone brings something different to it. Every production I've ever seen or done or like, I mean, even my own fight choreography changes so much from whatever production we're doing or even just where I'm at emotionally or interested in at the time, which yeah. is great. Um, it's one thing I love about theater, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something that somebody said at Gen Con that I thought was really, really fascinating was um, they were like, I feel like we've seen, we've seen versions of D and D stories where like it's people playing the game. Like, you know, we've got Stranger Things, we've got things like that. We've seen versions of D&D stories where, you know, we're getting a little bit of real world and a little bit of game, but often that's through the lens of comedy. Like it's like, it's it's us looking at that and kind of having a, a comedic take on what that is. Like we're making fun of ourselves a lot mm -hmm. um, in a lovely way, like, which is super valid too. And I think She Kills Monsters has a lot of that bent, like despite it being about this tragedy bit, being about grief, there's so much comedy. It's full of comedy. It's full of like sending up the game a little bit, sending up ourselves a little bit. Like there's a lot of that, even, you know, just the, the DM character cracks me up. I think about oh, that wow. line all the time about like the whole exchange about the dungeon master and like the, the, the girl's boyfriend thinks that it's, oh. uh, it's like a, a <laughs> like a sexy thing. And it's like, yeah. Oh, we're literally playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> cracks me oh, up. Oh, wow. Classic. yeah yeah no that's that really it re we really that show that's a show that can make me laugh and cry if it's done well like Absolutely. all in all in one two hour sitting for sure yeah. and with uh, morning is broken it's it's a little bit different and what somebody said to us was like we've never seen a dramatic take on um you know what what it actually is like to play these games and what it actually means to us um and you know, not not in like a preachy or you know self-aggrandizing way, but just in like a a true way. Like this, these are things that affect our lives. These are things that help us realize things about ourselves or are catalysts for change. And any sort of storytelling is like that, whether you're a an RPG player or not, whether you're a gamer or not, whether you're a nerd or not. Like any sort of stories really actually do have a lot of meaning to us as as human beings. They have since you know, the dawn of time. And 
it's it's really nice to get to tell a story that's that's a, about that and of course it's still funny and there's these moments of like once they get back into the game like kind of reestablishing like where the hell we are now and to me it just feels so so true to life of there there is all of this darkness and difficulty sometimes and you know things get things get weird things get fucked up things get messed up i'm sorry if i can't swear but uh you can you can That's okay, okay great i was gonna say feel free to cut me out but um yeah i I think there also still are these glimmers of hope. And to me, that's that's what this film is about, kind of approaching that from a really truthful way and seeing, seeing where we land. Getting into that, uh, you know, talking about storytelling and you know, TTRPGs being collaborative storytelling. I'd love to hear a little bit about your, uh, your, your personal, you know, you don't have to get too nitty gritty into tales from the table unless you want to, uh, you know, about, you know, is it, is it all D and D? Do you have other systems? Uh, you know, what do you love about TTRPGs in your personal life? Like around the table with pals? Yeah. I, uh, to me, it's, it's Dungeons and Dragons is what I've played. Um, except for I've done a few one shots. And so that's been really fun. It's, it's one of those things where I, I think for a long time, I, I didn't, I always had, I've always had friends that did Dungeons and Dragons. I've always had friends that um, it's very slight. No, not very in a similar friend group, but very different. Like always had friends who did Magic the Gathering. And I think in the last, in the last, I know, very similar, very different. Um, I, uh, in the last, like, I would even say two or three years, it's something that I've actually stepped into too. And I think for a long time, I, you know, I, I, I realized the other day that I've lived in, I think, 16 apartments over the course of the last eight years because I've been touring or because yeah. I, you know, I decided to move to Los Angeles to pursue acting even further. And just because of life, life is crazy. Um, so it's been hard to really, you know, anytime anyone's asked me to be in a D and D group, I've been like, I, I can't, like, I don't, I don't have time I'm in this show and or I'm moving in three months and it in some ways it's been really hard to establish establish roots because of that um like there's so many things I love about my life but one of the things that I've really gained especially in the last year that I'm so thankful for um oh man I'm, I'm gonna cry just thinking about this is like having those roots and being able to like you know say I am an LA based actor and I you know travel for work and I go back to Chicago and I love doing that. And I'm so excited for this fall and, you know, going to Steppenwolf and doing a show there. But I, wow. yeah, but I, I'm so happy to like, I have this apartment and I have a home that is entirely mine. And that is such a good base to be able to say like, fuck yeah, I want to join your D&D group. And like my, one of my friend groups here, I, for my birthday, they got me a player's handbook and a set of dice. And we just had our first session um like a week and a half ago and my poor beautiful character that i had just established <laughs> died in the no! first session i know it was my first character i've ever lost it oh was like, no like right as i'm diving oh. into all this but it, but honestly and it was fo so funny because everyone was so sad for me and we like took a shot to my character at the end of the session and they yeah. also got me a cute little magnet of her that's like r.i.p and uh but it, i like at some level i was just like I don't like I of course I I care and like I'm sad about Soleil like her name was Soleil uh growing up but but I I'm so happy that I have a D&D &D group now like I'm so like you know I'm we haven't quite ta even talked about like what's gonna happen when I go to Steppenwolf are we gonna set it down for a minute am I just gonna have gone on a little jaunt by myself and I'll be back or whatever it is but like to have that trust that I have that I'm coming back and to have that trust that that they have that I'm coming back and like that they're wanting to invest in me in that way makes me feel really loved and like and like I'm on the right track. And, you know, I, I, I know you kind of asked me about the game and here I am talking about life again, but it's all so entwined. No, that's uh, uh, I know I asked you about the game, but this is the answer that uh, this is a fantastic answer to this question, because I. Uh, I feel the same way for sure. It's isn't it is. And, you know, isn't it a great thing to. It's interesting. Like, welcome to the club, first of all, of people who have had a character die that they cared about. 
uh, in a group that cares about them enough to really like take this. Like it, when that happened to me in Shane's campaign, actually, the one that we're still running, uh, uh, the next session was like a full on like come down from that. The other characters discovering what happened, funeral for it. Like my character's NPC, like went on their off on their own they were a huge like so it's like taking the space for that whether it's like in game or whether it's like hey let's all take a shot and get you a cute little gift because you cared about this character whatever shape that takes that's just a beautiful thing to have people who are so uh are just so in it with you that's just awesome i'm so uh happy for you that you're able to 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 set down roots and, and say fuck yes let's play i'm here week after week to get a little bit nerdy about yes. about sort of what happened and whether we talk about mechanics or not, that's up to you. Perhaps we could exchange. Um, I don't think I've told the story of my character's death on the pod yet. And I'd love to hear Please. yours if you're willing to tell it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I can go first. And then I'd love to, if you want, I could, I'd love to hear yours too. Yeah. Uh, great. yeah. <laughs> so no, we had just defeated the, you know, like for me, it was like a deeply in character choice that had led to his demise. So, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I'd love to compare these two situations, right? But for me, we defeated sort of like the the mini boss of this arc where like someone's trying to bring Vecna, the god of death back. And, you know, Bane's wife, Aisa, God, Shane's going to kill me because I probably butchered that goddess's name. She was like a wanty snake goddess. And she was going to, she's like, she's like in, imprisoned the city and taken it over. And uh, I'm sure I'm getting details wrong. And we defeat her, right? We defeat her. And then she comes back in a big form and we defeat her again. And then we're just dealing with the aftermath. We're just like, cool, let's get to the dock. Let's save some civilians. Let's go, you know, kill the rest of the guards or at least make them run away so that we can, you know, be the heroes. It's kind of the aftercare of the situation. And my character, Rygar, uh, Rygar Tempest, who is a uh, uh, wild magic barbarian dragonborn uh, with thunder breath. He's blue. He's like, oh, I hear some screaming in this building, in this burning building. I got to go save whoever's in the building. And That's Shane is like, your sister's going to start you. She, your sister's going to follow you. Um, like the, the, the NPC playing, you know, my sister, uh, Acriel. And I was like, cool, let's do it. And we get in and Shane runs it very fairly. Like we're rolling for smoke inhalation, rolling for like, you know, give me a con saving throw for that. Give me a deck saving throw. Oh, some you know, part of this roof falls on you. Oh, and your sister's pinned. You got it. And then we end up falling through a staircase and we can't get out. And it takes all of my resources to get me and the unconscious but stable Acriel, my sister, out of the house. And then uh, a couple gnomes we had befriended, like uh, we like we had, like end the session there and the next session picks up with my character is like, gnomes please help like get my sister out of here and then i think shane rolls like a really high roll for their athletics check even though the little guys they like get her body to safety because she's still alive and then i go full boromir and like face down like four guards at once and last a couple rounds but definitely there's no way there's no chance in hell that i'm gonna you know survive and that's how he that's how he dies and and i'm you know quote unquote a million miles away from my other two who had followed the plan they went down to the docks to help save people so i was like they're just sitting there while this is happening they're like is there any way we can roll a perception check Shane's like i don't think so there's no like you're just too far away for it to make sense so we played it by the book and that's that's what happened you know wow (laughs) oh my god it's always when you have to be the hero isn't it yeah and yeah and yeah i had to be the hero after we had defeated the big you know the the scary big goddess come on yeah it's uh so that's the irony of it it's like a deeply in character choice you know that was that's those were so human like yeah. that's so and you kind of get to have the meta moment of it too because of course as the person playing the character you're like this might be a terrible choice and i might i might get totally screwed and i might not have this character anymore but you can't not as that character well I, mm-hmm. i'm almost gonna cry right now because i'm just thinking about that it, it reminds me of like it reminds me of Shakespearean tragedy or it reminds mm. me of Greek, you know, Greek plays and how characters, yeah, character flaw. And like, in some ways it's almost not a flaw. It's just who they are. And it's so beautiful. The the people that we choose to be, despite the consequences, like there's nothing more human than that. Um, speaking of character, I'm about to play Romeo 
here in LA uh, on wow. September 18th. Hey, Speaking uh, of tragic character, oh my goodness. Yeah, like, you know, it, it's so horrible how everything turns out for, for her. I, I'm playing her as her. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, that's, she, she is who she is in a very strong, beautiful way of like, you know, she, she falls in love hard at the beginning. She's in love with Rosaline and then she falls for Juliet so hard. And one of the things that I admire about her is her intensity and her passion. And like, that's, that's admirable to have that in the face of anything, including our families hate each other. And how the hell are we ever going to be together? Like, doesn't matter. Like it, and it, that almost makes me think about like the soul depth of Morwenna of like, Izzy having to do the little task, but Morwenna being able to be honest to what Izzy is and is feeling and where she's at. And like, I think in the same way, one of the things I love about tragic characters, like your character is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this might destroy me. Yeah, this might, whatever it is, but I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to do, you know, what is true for me. Wow. And yeah. a, ga a game is a place where we're safe enough to do that without actually destroying ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is just a call back to you talking about, you know, being that removed step away from the character when you're acting. It's, it's just, yeah, it's a safe place for us to explore those stories and get deep with it. Uh, yeah. If we, if everybody wants to, that's the, and not to get preachy myself, but like, that's the beauty of the game, right? Is like, if you sit down and four people agree, like, no, we're all willing to go to this point. And if it gets to that point, we're all going to go there together. And we trust each other enough to do that. And that's, Wow, there's nothing like it. And I wish, I hope that everybody gets to experience something like it at some point. And that's why I love bringing new players into the game of like, please let me show you what this could be, despite any negative experiences you had in the past, because it could be something great, even, yeah. if, even if it's tragic. And, you know, that's the catharsis that we feel just watching a tragic story, much less being part of one in a way. That's wow. I'd, uh, I'd, lo I'd love to hear about uh, uh, your, your character death. Yeah, so uh, so my character's name was Soleil. One name, no last name, Soleil. Um, and she she was a a bard, an elven bard. Um, and I literally brought my ukulele to both of to we had our like you know character building session, and so I borrowed my friend Matt's ukulele, and then brought my own ukulele for our first session, and wrote a song about Shalsus. Shals is like the the very mysterious leader of the city and Ooh. i wrote a song about his balls as part, of, <laughs> as part of it yeah and i got i got inspiration for that which almost saved me in the end oh. in the end it was not quite enough to save me um but but that was that was amazing and uh so like you know i'm just i'm literally playing ukulele which also is is something that i've done as a performer too i uh I was part of the the run fair here in California. I, I worked on the show called Tiny Girl Big Show and was the bard for that um, for a couple of weeks, which was amazing. Um, and uh, so I like kind of brought that into this. And then, uh, yeah, so that's that's Alay. She's got like long blonde French braids. She's like got leather armor. I've got this like awesome picture of her that, you know, I came up with online and um, yeah, so, so, I escaped from jail at the beginning of this this session one of this game. Like, you know, she's a level one character. Like, she's got nothing going, going for her yet. Uh, I escaped from jail. Um, the captain of the guard is uh, one of our one of our players in the game. He's another player. And so I am escaping from jail. I have I roll some really awesome checks to like get away from him and escape. And as I'm escaping, literally playing my loot behind my head. Um, like kind of kind of mocking him but as I'm running away I'm like do you want to be best friends like I was kind of trying to befriend him so that I could escape but I escape and I'm still like a small friend. Um, yeah. so I like we I get to the top of this wall and like once I get to the top of the wall I can see that there's like 30 people that I like it's session one I don't know who they are like I don't know what their deal is but uh, apparently they've like come and invaded the city I, I'm not really necessarily loyal to this city. I don't know, but like, they're just all there. And so I get to the top of the wall and I'm like, best friend, like attack them, not me. Like what's happening? Or like, what, what is this captain of the guard? And so he's like, 
okay, I'm going to swing down and defend the city and like attack these people. And I'm like, great. Okay. Which side are we flanking? Like who, what are we doing? So I just immediately dive in with this person I've just met. And, uh, you know, we, cause he's my best friend. So we, I have to have his back and why wouldn't you? Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and so we, we go down and we have some lovely banter. There's one point at which I bring up the fact that he, of all my 27 best friends, he's my favorite. <laughs> um, and, uh, and you know we're just we're just fighting these guards and our i'm sure our dm is just shaking his head like what the hell are you doing there are 30 of them and you're both level one like what what are you doing and uh so obviously i you know get got and um i go down and and for the first time in my chloe life i have to uh roll death saves <laughs> and i uh and I use inspiration to try to roll an extra one, and I just die. I just die. And um, I, and literally, it was so funny, because after I died, I was like, guys, loot my body. I have weird shit. Get my weird shit. <laughs> what a G. Yeah. What a homie. Like, no, definitely, please bring my yeah. weird shit into the rest of this game. <laughs> yeah. So and it was it was kind of great, too, because luckily, I like I was, you know, there's there's something about the fact that I love that character, but I only played her for one session. So I'm really happy that it, like she died now as opposed to like, you know, 20 sessions from now. Um, That's and, fair. Yeah. And I also, um, yeah, I, I made it to the end of the session. It was like right at the end of the session that she died. And so I was kind of like, I just got to play with my friends for like four hours and we had the best time. And, um, and, and now, uh, so one of the choices I made at the beginning was uh, as I was escaping the jail cell, there was someone else in there, like in the next cell that was like, hey, wait, let me out too. You have the key, let me out. And I was like, nope, and I left. And uh, so he, so my DM was like, I was gonna bring him back as like your nemesis later. And like, he's gonna like mess you up. And I said, what if the character that I come back as now is that character? Oh, that's he so hates good. Belay and is like, kind of like is also a bard who always felt kind of like you know mad about her existence and like knew about her and is just like is just kind of a like a like if soleil is the you know is the olivia rodrigo of this world he is the you know not olivia rodrigo <laughs> the, sure, one who, sure. the one who would like to be olivia rodrigo that's oh that's so that's so tasty that's so fun incredible just your willingness to to Again, just to be in character, right? Like as much love as Chloe has for Soleil, this other character can't stand. So that's outstanding. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's great to put. It, just I I relate to that. You know that my my character after Rygar's death, uh, me and Shane had like concocted that like my next character was this like harbinger of death, who was this uh, oathbreaker paladin who uh, works for the uh, the Raven Queen, like collecting trinkets that are filled with death energy. So any like trinkets that uh, were on someone's person when they died, right? So essentially yeah. looting, but not for not for like monetary use, just like for, like keeping it sacred, right? Like, and, and Rygar had this medallion and this ocarina. And so my next character was like, cool, we're on, we're hot on the scent of this powerful being who just died and we're going to go take something from him uh, and... So at first, the other two party members did not like uh, Belle, my current character. So that's, yeah. just, I just love how, you know, again, again, like the whole Phoenix thing, not to sound corny, but it is what it is. Like the next idea, like this, like this, the, the life of this next character is born out of the death of the last. Yeah. Just, I love that. The jail cell thing is is so cool. Uh, not to take a hard left, but uh, this has yeah. been, this has been amazing. Thank you for just being willing to talk about all of this. Uh, this has been so, so cathartic for me too. Thank you so much. I'm having yeah. the loveliest time. Absolutely. Me too. I appreciate that. I, I, we cannot, we can't, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't devote enough time to the original reason I asked you to be on the show in, in a sec. It's typically a whole episode we devote, uh, which I'm planning on doing at some point for drag. But uh, so I'll, I'll just call the segment this. It's, it's sort of where my character clears the table we talk about something non-TTRPG related, or it's just me and them at an empty table talking, and the subject is is drag performance. And uh, uh, just please take it away. Oh my gosh. So 
many know me as Chloe Baldwin, the professional actor and all that other stuff. By night, I am <laughs> LA's emo heartthrob, drag king Christian Rock. Um, he is my sweet, sweet emo boy. Uh, he gives off like teen panic at the disco vibes. Mm. Um, he's the kind of guy that will, you know, say like, like be kind of quiet and like not really talking. And then, you know, but if you ask him, um, if you ask him like what, you know, what he, what he thinks or like how's week's been or what's he thinking about, he'd say something like, you know, I just really feel like uh, I've been diving into some feminist theory lately. And <laughs> our society is just so fucked up, bro. You know what I mean? Like, it, so that's, that's about where he's at. Um, he comes Hell across yeah. total bro, but actually has some like really deep thoughts and emotions and would love for like, would love to be able to talk to his bros about, um, you know, him falling in love and what they think that means and all of that stuff. So, but it's hard for him. <laughs> <laughs> Good for Christian. Hell yeah, Christian. I, you know, I love a, I love a bro on a, on a journey, a feminist journey. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope he gets there and can talk to his bros, but uh, I love this. I can relate to this as someone who desperately wanted to be that like Craig Owens, who's like the lead singer of this like hard band called Chiodos, who like I'm screaming into the mic, but I'm wearing an Air Apostle uh, polo and my bangs cover one eye, like all of that, all of that. I love it. I wish I, I was I'm that dark and twisty and tough, but it's really because I have so many feelings. Yeah, I want to feel. Get me exactly. Feel. I love it. Uh, so how many times have you performed as, as Christian Rock? Oh, my God. Innumerable at this point, because I started when I was in college. Uh, oh, okay. We, so Christian's been around for a while. He's been around. He's a, he's a, he's a young man at this point. Um, he, he uh, yeah, we, we, I went to theater school as well at DePaul. And uh, one of the fundraisers that we did for the seniors for their uh, senior showcase when I was, I think it was a sophomore, was a drag show. And it was the first time, like, my younger sister had been a huge fan of drag for a long time. But, you know, a lot of the scene is queens. Like, especially at that time, it was like, mm -hmm. all you see are queens. Like, you're not really seeing kings unless you're in the world. And so I, it was the first time I learned about drag kings and, like, saw them do their thing. And I was like, oh, I need to do that immediately. And, you know, I... It, you and I touched on gender a little bit before we started, but like, for me, it was, it was very affirming as someone who, you know, I realized I was, I was bi and that I was queer when I was like 16. Um, but I always kind of felt like I was like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty femme. I'm like, you know, I'm, I don't know if like, like, I don't know if girls would ever like me <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and so it was kind of cool to like, be able to step into a very, you know, stereotypically attractive kind of masculine persona in that way. But then there was a whole other level that like, I, I didn't expect of like, oh, I love like, I love being masculine and like presenting in this way. And, um, and like, there's a lot of like, power that I feel from this and not just from the like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a dude. And therefore in society, I like, I have all this clout, but like, even more so like the just the kind of stereotypical, like masculine energy that I realize I have in myself and in, in a lot of ways I, I'd put into different performances, but hadn't quite um, done in such a pure way that I, I, it was like, it was almost like a drug. It was like, it hit my system and I was like, oh my God, like the adrenaline I got, like I felt so alive. And then as soon as the performance was over, I was like exhausted. And I had just done, done it for two minutes, like just gone all the way full into that energy for two minutes. And I was so tired and so happy. And like, it kind of made me realize like, you know, I, I don't know exactly how I define my gender other than I don't think I do. Like any pronouns are accepted at this bank is what I always say. Um, what well, you see my Zoom pronouns, I might fully steal that little witty quip from you. That's oh, please, so funny. Please, please, all you, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's I, so funny. Thanks, I, I say like, I say she, hers a great default. Any pronouns are accepted at this bank, whatever you like. So like, that's, that's, that's about where I go with it. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, to me, it's something that's so, um, it, it, we, I think w one thing that I, I hope I can say without it sounding too presumptuous is like, we all have all of those energies within us. And I think, you know, I, to me, it's like the way that I define it and what I want to do within myself is like kind of erase any of those boundaries and just make it all 
they get all gray. And, and so now drag has kind of become this thing to me of like, you know, it helps me lean all the way into my masculine energy. And at the same time, it helps me both. Like the, the thing I want to do for the audience is like, if a guy sees it, I want him to be able to have something where it's like, oh, I can have big feelings and I can have feminine energy in me too. Cause inevitably some of that is in there. Like it's, it's me. I also have feminine energy or like if a, a girl sees that, like she can see some sort of like masculine power that she's allowed to access. Or if someone, you know, non-binary sees it or if someone who's like, what is gender? I'm it, fuck. Uh, <laughs> then they can hopefully find something in it where it's like, Oh, like it can be all of it. It can be none of it. It can be like, we just, we just are, and we can experience, experience in it in whatever way is authentic to us and whatever we want to like lean into in any given moment or at any given time and again i'm, I'm getting deep with it but like that's christian Please. rock i love christian that's, rock that's uh that it feels like the way you were talking about it uh i, I don't want to like, say like i guess i don't know we make a habit of not sensationalizing things these days because everything has two parts to it but to me like the way you're talking about it it does sound sensational it sounds like you discovered, you know, a, a new energy or an, an untapped energy you didn't know you had such a well of, and that is euphoric. Like you said, it was a drug. That is, wow, wow I've never thought of it that way. And now you're just, that just clicks so many things into my brain of like why people do it, why people love it, why people feel good doing it. And just so many of my experiences have just been informed by your explanation of that. That's so fucking cool. It's all I got to say about that. That's awesome. Yeah. You've unlocked a memory for me too. I remember I have done drag twice in my life. Once was for a grade. So that's like, cool. That was fine. That was just me doing like, you know, feminine makeup and a full, you know, basic current given makeup class plus lipstick and eyelashes and a wig. Yeah. And then, you know, but in high school, our marching men had these lock-ins and we had this thing called um, the drag queen contest and men could enter it. Women could enter it too, but nobody ever did. It was because everyone always wanted to see, you know, the 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 mopey teenage boys as women right absolutely and i remember at the time my sophomore year i my girlfriend at the time uh, uh like had brought like her wig and her clothes for me and like she helped me with my makeup and i think i got second or third in that contest like yeah. we had a whole thing where there was like a talent portion there was a questionnaire portion it was uh honestly maybe one of my earliest memories ever doing improv accidentally this is insane just like putting That's these pieces wild. together what a touch point. What a touch point that I truly had like, I don't know, my memory has been a disaster for the last few years, but that just like bringing that back into focus now recontextualized. Holy smokes. That's so cool to think about now, actually. Yeah, it really is. Also, man, everybody's memory has been so messed up these past couple of years. What is time anymore? I don't know. That yeah. made it all so weird. <laughs> yeah. And I can pinpoint a couple of like things going on with me, but you're right. It, it is definitely that sort of like true definitive cultural shift that was like the first part of this pandemic like isolating and whatnot that was mm. whoa what who are we what are we yes let's grasp onto anything i just i truly could feel like and we're just getting away from things now but i just i feel like i want to desperately and i'm so bad at journaling and maybe it's the adhd but i desperately want to write every hey <laughs> we just did like the the nose touch thing not good for audio but great for the heart uh uh <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I desperately want to write everything down these days. I'm like, I don't want to forget this. So I take pictures Same. and I write stuff down. Especially I, feelings. I've been writing so many poems this year because oh. I'm like, I want to capture this feeling because I, I want to, and, and it's a nice thing too. Cause I'm like, I want to remember this. I want to remember this yeah. feeling. That's that. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And putting it in the filter of art makes it more exciting for me. So I guess I just have to start looking at my journaling as, Oh, I'm writing prose. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm just writing, I'm just writing prose. That's all I'm doing, yeah. capturing feelings. And that's been way more important, uh, you know, day by day. I would love to tell you about like why, like Christian rock and like how the hell that like came to be the name. Oh yeah. Like just like the inception of the, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Please. It's, it's been wild. Cause uh, so again, my younger sister like loves drag and always has. And so I, I felt like she needed to baptize me um to to again get very christian rock about it um i <laughs> so i called her and like you know we, we were both so busy at the time so we weren't talking on the phone very much but like i called her and i was like okay i have a couple i have a couple different names 
Um, I'm like, you know, I'm nervous. The, the one that I really want, I'm worried it's a little too sensational or it's a little too like, you know, we grew up in like a suburb where everybody went to different churches and it wasn't very conservative, but like, you know, it was like, it, it, I, I felt a little bit like um, rebellious, like coming up with this name. And so I was like, yeah. the, the name I came up with that I really want that I'm like worried people are gonna be mad at me is Christian Rock. And she said, you have to do that. You have yeah. to do that one. That's the one. That's your that's your name. That you're you're doing it. I was like, okay, I got approval from the queen of drag queens. We're we're doing this. So yeah. So it, like that. It, it's been really cool too, like seeing people's reactions to it because I think a lot of a lot of queer folks and I I am very lucky that I don't feel like I I had this too 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 much. But I have a lot of friends and even even my friends who who aren't queer but just feel different in some way from their community um a lot of a lot of friends that have been very negatively impacted by conservative religion when it comes to being queer and to me it's like it's a really nice way to reclaim our holiness as queer people like you know whatever whatever holiness means to you like not in the context of religion specifically but like sacredness is another great word um i think that one's less kind of religious coded and to kind of say like you know what what we are doing is something that is um, beautiful and 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 deep and has has a place amongst the the most incredible things humanity can do and in this case it's you know breaking outside of boxes and I I love that and it's also like it's reclaiming some of that iconography or symbolism of like I mean I think about Sam Smith's Unholy like yeah. that's I've yeah. done pieces of that song a lot because it's like we we kind of get to subvert that and put it on its head and say like you know be all like all of these things that that we see of like the um you know like t taking baptism and things like that like we some of those things have been used to kind of push us into little boxes and how can we use some of those same things to do what i think is sacred or i think is holy and kind of break out of them because you know that's that's what that it, 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 at the deepest level i think that's what spirituality actually is trying to speak to even if it fails a lot of the time and sometimes it fails so epically that it's just um subjugating people and and, and not always but it, it it can do that and mm -hmm. to be able to take that and go what can we what can we do with this thing that that messes up it reminds me of reclaiming the word queer too like i think that that's something that um here's the thing we get to change the story. We get to create our own narrative. We get we get to we get to decide. Just a breath of fresh air because uh yeah, that's that's yeah, that's great. We do get to decide. I've never thought about the word queer because I I came I came into my own queerness so late in my life that like we had already gotten to like a baseline of like, oh, it's fundamentally means you're a bad person if you don't accept, you know, people that are gay. Like yeah. That happened very recently, and even still, like queerness is even like more of a baby than that. So I yeah. always got to avoid that. But uh, you're right, Rec reclaiming it and changing the narrative. I love that, Chloe. This has been uh, uh, I can't overstate it. This has been a fantastic conversation. I, I I can't wait to honestly edit this episode and just re-listen to it. And I'm like, oh, we could have an hour long conversation about these 17 different things, like. Yeah. My goodness. Thank you so much for coming on the show with such a, an open heart and willingness to just talk so thoroughly about these these things. I appreciate that a lot. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you for creating this space. Thank you for such a lovely conversation. This is like, this. I, I can't even tell you, like, this has really meant a lot to me. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, let's let's just make sure people can find you if you want to be found on yeah. the internet. Uh, just one more time for the folks in the back. Uh, where can people find you for, for morning is broken, but also in, like Christian rock, but also in general. Uh, yeah. Um, so my website is Chloe Baldwin.net. Um, and that'll take you kind of anywhere you want to go, uh, especially morning is broken. Um, uh, Instagram is where I spend a lot of my time, especially if you're looking for like updates that are super up to date. Um, Chloe glowy flowy is, uh, all, all the Chloe things. And then Christian rock drag King. If you're specifically looking for some emo boy in your life, um, that's great. We all should um, be. Yeah, yeah. I'm based in LA and I travel wherever the wind takes me. So that's me. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show, folks. Until next time. A resounding thank you to Chloe Baldwin for joining us on Character Build for this wonderful conversation. Chloe, it was every bit as cathartic for me as it was for you, I assure you. 
Don't Miss Chloe in POTUS or Behind Every Great Dumbass are seven women trying to keep him alive. A main series production at Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago. Chloe is part of the main cast of this production. POTUS runs October 26th through December 10th. Make sure you get your tickets now. You can also follow Chloe Baldwin at Chloe Glowy Flowy on Instagram. And one more call out for Morning is Broken, a short film that Chloe stars in, which you can keep tabs on at chloebaldwin.net forward slash morning is broken. Thanks to everyone listening. This episode of Character Build was edited and produced by Kyle David Perry. Show art by Gabriella Ashland. Main theme and transitional composed by Kyle David Perry, with additional music composed by Adam Kataishat. A very special thanks to Shane Richland and Ricarda Eichenberg for the production of this episode. <laughs>